Cause I'm going free Right with the gavel I heard the freedom bell ring through the heart Oh hell, I'm going free I'm going free Yeah
Amen. Shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing. 
Thank you, God. You've been faithful to us. You have been a steady hand. You've been a rock, a firm foundation. We trust you, and that's why we come here. We want to know what you have to say to us. So as we go into your word, I pray that you would move in the hearts of your believers. And I pray that this message would help us live a better life throughout the week and that people we come in contact with us would see Christ. We love you. I'm going to pray. Amen. 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 Good morning, Church by the Beach family. Wow, I hope all of you are doing great. Can we give Jesus Christ just the greatest hand clap of praise this morning? Amen. Come on. Um, spinning right off of that video of Operation Christmas Child, that is a ministry that we love, absolutely love being a part of here at this church. And um, we are encouraging you guys as you leave today or when you come in for other services, go by our, uh, the, the, uh, in our lobby. We have a booth set up with the boxes that are made available to you already put together. And um, we would encourage you guys. And, you know, there's a list in there. Participate in this with us. Each year, uh, it's extremely successful. We enjoy doing this. We absolutely love it. Um, and, you know, you saw it right there. That's just one life that has been changed. Uh, because of Operation Christmas Child, uh, which is a ministry through Samaritan's Purse. And we want to encourage you guys to, to be a part of this with us this year. I know this year has brought many challenges to all of us. But, you know, the, the, the message, uh, the gospel message of spreading it is still the same. Yes. We still need to do our part yes. and participate in it. And so what does that look like for us? Well, again, you can go and get a box here that we already have made available for you guys. Or there's also the option this year of going online to their website and they're encouraging this uh, and that is to give money toward a box so that then they will put the boxes together. And uh, you would go to SamaritansPurse.org. And if you have any questions with that, you can see Miss Margie, you can see Miss Stacy. Um, either one of them will be glad to help you and, and to navigate all of that and to figure it out. But I, I, I'm, I think we have to have the boxes in by November the 15th, so Sunday. November the 15th, so we have about a month to get these done, okay? So help us out. Let's be a part of this tremendous ministry. All right, so we have, for the last uh, week, we started last week, a brand new sermon series called Awakening. All right, what is an awakening? It's taking something that is asleep and simply reviving it, right? Awakening it. Now, this morning, the topic that we're going to talk about, and I'm just going to be very transparent here, is this. I believe it's one that we all probably struggle with to some way about it, some, some, to, to some degree. It's something that, you know, um, we almost look at it as a job or um, it's something that we, you know, have to do. And, and it almost looks like a chore. Now, we know this, that this season of life that all of us have been thrown into has taken some things from us. For example, uh, routines and comforts, um, but it also gives, has given us some things called resilience. It's provided us guidance. And even more, and this is my hope here, is that it is giving us a stronger, genuine desire 
to simply get closer to God. I truly think and, and believe in my mind, in my heart, that people right now are more open to those spiritual conversations, those challenging questions, because they really want to see a move of God within their lives, within their families. They want to go from a theor theor theoretical move to one that would be experiential, right? They want to experience it. They don't want to just um, have a belief and have an education and have a knowledge and have a wisdom of God, but they want to become a follower of Christ. They want to experience. And from this series, we are finding out and that we will continue to find out as we go through it that wanting a move of God and experiencing a move of God are very much different, extremely different. So in order for us to, to, to do that, we must look at this series and really find out what an awakening is and what does that look like. For example, last week we learned that a move of God is it's not a style of ministry. Um, it's not a series of meetings, not like a revival specifically would be, but rather an awakening is taking something again that is asleep and reviving it or bringing it to an awakened state, bringing something potentially that was dead and giving it life again, all right? Now, to see this, um, an, an example of a group of people, the best place to find a great example like this would be within the New Testament. The people who were followers of Christ before the cross and then look at them at what happened to their life, to the way they lived, after the cross. Some of these, will, they will sound familiar with you because we looked at them last week, but listen. Before the cross, God's followers were stale. After the cross, they walked in supernatural power. Before the cross, they were divided, but afterwards, they were unified. Before the cross, they were very selfish and manipulating, but after the cross, they were extremely generous. Again, I would refer back to the book of Acts. Before, they were enslaved to people and their own issues. But after the cross, they experienced freedom and healing and a genuine spiritual move within their life as the Spirit filled their lives and used by God. Before the cross, they were uh, dwindling in tradition. But after the cross, it was a force that changed the world. And the only reason why you and I are actually seated in this room this morning. When God, listen, listen, listen. When God awakens something or when he revives it, it's a significance. Why? Because there's a purpose behind it. And what does he want us to do? God wants us to live out just that, that purpose. Specific characteristics or responses that become required of us as Christ followers. If you want God to do something unique in your family, right? Um, a different response is required. One of the most important responses for you and I to have within our lives is this. Listen, prayer. Prayer. The best place that we can see this is in a moment after Jesus has been raised from the tomb, he spends time 
with his followers. And then we read within the scripture that he leaves this earth and he, he, he leaves his followers then with a responsibility to continue to spread his message and what we would call today the gospel message. We read that Jesus ascended to heaven and that we understand this. What is he doing? He's seated beside the father, wanting and waiting for his return. While that is going on, you and I have a great responsibility. And Jesus hands this responsibility to his followers and their, their first response is very interesting to this. Let's read it in Acts chapter 12. It says this, Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. Now listen, here is the point. Listen to this. Verse 14. They all joined together constantly in prayer. Notice this. It doesn't say that they came together as a group, huddled up, and, and began to strategize or plan or have um, some type of meeting or, or strike some type of you know, partnership. The first thing that they did was they went to prayer. Yeah. Why? Because they recognized that they were helpless without God's help. Yeah. Do you understand that? You and I, we are absolutely helpless without the help of God. We cannot navigate through this life. You cannot go through this serious issues of life and problems that you have gone through without the leading and the, the guiding of God himself. I look in the world today and, 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 and I see everything that's happening around. And if I weren't a Christ follower, I would actually say there is absolutely no hope. There is no answer to all of this calamity and uncertainty and stress. But being a Christ follower, I can look at it and go, huh, you know what? Regardless of everything that's happening around, the one constant that I still have in my life and who will never leave me, nor will he ever forsake me, is Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, our church is made up of some of the most brightest. Look, I'm going to brag on you here for a second. Some of the most brightest people I've ever been around. We're made up of educators, entrepreneurs, medical field experts, business owners, lawyers, engineers, amazing builders, right? And even more terrific parents. But as capable as we may feel that we are, don't give one second to the thought that you could be successful without God. It's not about your ability or your giftings, your talents. It's not, neither even about your personality. If you think it is, you're foolish. We are helpless without God's help. The irony is this. Listen to this. Research says 50% of Christ's followers pray daily. Hmm. 
let, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me break it down this way. Could you imagine for a moment if 50% of all marriages, only 50% of them ever even communicated to their spouse, how successful would that even be? It would not be one single bit. But it says that what research says only 50% of all Christ followers pray daily. And the average time, which, you know, we put a lot of emphasis on time sometimes when it comes to time with prayer. And I don't necessarily know that that's accurate. But the average time of those 50% of Christ follower prays is only nine minutes in the daytime. So we believe we are helpless without God's help, but yet we live our lives different. We don't spend time with him. Listen, many of us, we have real struggles and we really struggle with prayer and it can become very frustrating. In fact, some of you right now, just because I mentioned prayer and this is the topic we're talking about, you're feeling the anxiety with inside of you because you know that you're not spending enough time. You're not doing your part. We feel that prayer is an obligation, a job, a workout. We have, and even when we are praying, while we're doing it, we're not passion, there's no passion behind it. My hope is that prayer becomes a pattern of our lives and that we allow it to become personal. It's us giving God what's preoccupying our minds long enough for him to give us peace of mind. Why do people struggle when they pray? Watch this, because we don't see results. We only see prayer within the physical realm and we're not looking at prayer within the spiritual realm. We're not seeing what's happening within our prayers. Imagine for a moment if you could pull back the curtain of the spiritual realm and truly see what's happening every time you go into prayer. I think if we were able to see what was happening, if we pull back the curtain of the spiritual realm, it would completely change our mindset and our outlook on how we pray, when we pray, and even if we are praying. And so today what we're going to do is we dig into God's word, we're going to actually pull back that curtain. We're not going to look with our physical eye, but we're going to allow scripture to pull out what happens in the spiritual realm when you and I pray. I believe that when, as we're going through this, and it, look, it's been a great encouragement for me. As I've been going through this study this week and, and getting this message prepared with you, I myself has, have also been challenged, but also very much encouraged. Yeah. So this is what happens when we pray. Number one, God's presence is invited. Your prayers do not dissipate when you pray them. Understand that. They actually accumulate and they're kept in heaven. The book of Revelation is a unique book all by itself, written by the Apostle John, whom God allowed to look behind that curtain. Meaning what? I'm going to allow you to see what what heaven looks like. I'm going to allow you to see what the, the future holds. I'm going to pull back the curtain and show you some of the spiritual side of things. Let's jump over to Revelation chapter 8, looking verses 3 to 4. It says this. Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people. 
on the golden altar in front of the throne, the smoke of the incense together with the prayers of God's people went up before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar and hurled it on the earth. Now, understand this. Here on earth, our prayers are unseen. But in heaven, the scripture says there are, they are incense that can be seen. Meaning this, that our prayers have never gone unheard, unnoticed. And listen, they've never expired in heaven. Listen, your prayers are not like the junk mail that many of you are getting right now in, in, you know, through all the political ads. If you're like me, and I was telling somebody that earlier this morning, regardless of what side I may be or I may not be, I rip them up and I throw them away because I'm absolutely sick and tired of it. Amen. If you get anything, you get that this morning, right? But the Bible actually tells us that, you know what, there, these prayers that you are offering God, that they are so important to him, that your prayers are actually kept near his throne. Every prayer that you have ever prayed has been heard in heaven, logged in heaven, and absolutely kept in heaven. Understanding that God is watching over your prayers. Psalm 141 verse 2 says it this way. May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. In other words, your prayers look so much differently within the spiritual realm than here on earth. You know, we're, we're approaching the holiday season, Christmas season. I absolutely love it. All right, it's, it's, it's a time where, you know what, people just, you, 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 it's just different. Excitement. Yeah. You love seeing the kids being so excited. All this great stuff, right? But here, here's one of the things that gets me. You know, during this season, my wife makes these, um, these amazing, absolutely amazing cookies that either have a Hershey kiss in the middle or they have a Reese, little miniature Reese cup in the middle. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, my word. When she makes those things, it, I, I cave, right? I'm just like, oh, I'm trying. No, the boys, I want, no, they're mine. You know what I mean? I become extremely selfish, all right? But, but here's the thing. No matter what I'm doing in the house, I can be even outside, right? If I smell that smell, what do I do? I'm going to it. I'm, I'm, I'm dropping everything so that I can get to that, to those cookies. Well, there's one version within the scripture that reads it this way, that your prayers are like a sweet incense. In other words, your prayers are a savoring sweet smell to God. And when you, as one of his children, begin to communicate to him, it's as if he drops everything and his attention comes directly to you. Is that not amazing? Absolutely. You know, it's like when my kids are outside. And I think it was a couple years ago. uh, You know, I, I, I think my youngest one was probably like three or four and my wife would always say, you know, if she's at work and I'm watching him, hey, make sure if he's outside, you're outside too. You know, she's parenting me as a parent. It's great, right? Well, I remember one time I went outside, I, he went outside with his brother and I was like, oh, he'll, the brother watching, well, at the time he was only like six, you know, <laughs> big fail on my end. And so I'm watching probably like a football game. It was in the fall, the windows were down, you know, and, and so I'm sitting there watching. All of a sudden, I hear this blood curling scream for daddy. And, and, and 
I dropped everything. What did I do? Out the door and I'm looking and I'm scanning and I'm, I'm yell again <laughs> so I can find out where you're at. You know, ended up being nothing. But the point is that when we as children of God begin to cry out to God, he's there to listen. You have his attention. That your prayers are an invitation. They're appetizing. They're a sweet aroma for God to enter into whatever the situation is that you're bringing. And when God enters in, he brings with him all power, all authority, all lordship, all peace, all grace, all hope, and all of his ability into your situation. So let me ask you this question. So then why not pray? Because the only prayers that go unanswered are the ones never spoken. All right, number two, we can understand this. When we're praying, darkness is pushed back. Jesus spent a lot of time telling and teaching about Satan. And one of the things that Jesus communicates is that Satan is actively planning all the time. That you are under a constant surveillance. He's looking at your weakest moments, your weakest points. Why? So he can exploit you. The Bible tells us that a third of the angels that align with Satan in rebellion stay in lockstep with him and are now being used at Satan's command against your life. We know this about him, what? He is absolutely evil. He's never one moment had a thought of mercy toward you. He's out to have constant and absolute destruction within your life. He hates you. He hates your children. And more importantly, he hates your God. Satan had dedicated his entire existence to make sure that you stay separated from God in order to keep you from fulfilling God's purpose, plan, and will for your life. Luke chapter 22, verses 31 through 32, read this way. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. Now understand this. Don't think for one second that he hasn't asked the same thing for your life. There's not been a day in your life that he hasn't had a well-designed plan to destroy you. He goes on to say, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. Jesus is saying here, Peter, listen, the enemy wants to destroy everything about you, but prayers have kept him away. Amen. Listen, I know you may have it all together, but I don't. And the one thing that can outlast an attack from the enemy is prayer. Absolutely pray. When you pray, you are pushing back darkness. All right, number three. We know this. When we pray, angels are dispatched. According to scripture, angels are spiritual beings meant to serve God. When we take a closer look at what scripture says, there are three categories of angels and they're headed by an archangel. Some angels are meant for war. And we know that they're headed by the archangel named Michael. There are others who are messengers who bring God's word. They are headed by the archangel Gabriel. Then there is a third one who headed up all of the worshiping angels. And his name was Lucifer. Obviously what? He lost his job because of pride and has become our spiritual enemy. God 
has the angels and he uses them to interact with us within our lives. So when we pray, we know this and we see within scripture that God, through many examples, has dispatched those angels to use for the good of his people. We can look in Acts chapter 12. Peter's preaching boldly. He's arrested. But the church responds in prayer. Let's take a look. Acts chapter 12, verses 5 through 7. It says, So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains. Sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side, woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrist. Reading this, we can learn that this angel led Peter, what? Out of the jail. Doing this supernaturally. We know this, Peter is arrested. What does the church do? They pray. The church keeps praying. An angel is dispatched. The church keeps praying. The angel appears to Peter. The church keeps praying. The chains fall off of Peter. The church keeps praying. The angel leads him out of prison. The church keeps praying. Peter arrives directly to the church's prayer meeting, knocking on the door. And the Bible says that they were amazed at the results, so much so that they didn't even believe it. Exactly. Don't give up on prayer. Your answer is not from the doorstep. It may not look like you intended for it to look like, but nevertheless, God still brings results. All right, number four. When we pray, God's will is established on earth. This is one right here that I focus a lot of my attention on in my own personal life. Have you ever heard the saying this, you know just enough to be dangerous? A lot of Christians just know enough to be dangerous. And many of us have misunderstood the word sovereign. For example, God is sovereign. In other words, he has already predicted it, made it all happen, and there is simply no point in praying. No. The word sovereign doesn't even mean that God has already worked it all out, but rather it means God is supreme rule. Now, think of this for a moment. God has given us a portion of his rule for us. We are exercising in his rule. Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, God did not come and work the Garden of Eden, right, for Adam. But rather, he told Adam, the Garden is under your authority, and now you are to work it. Let's say it this way. God didn't raise your kids, but he has given you authority to raise your kids. God doesn't run your finances, but he has given you the authority to manage it. So if God is sovereign to the fact that he just does everything that he wants to do, why does he care so much about stewardship within scripture? When we pray, it puts our hearts in alignment 
with God's desires. Let me repeat that. If you get nothing else from this message this morning, understand that. That when we pray, it puts our hearts in alignment with God's desires. When we pray, we, are, we become aligned to seeing what God wants to happen in our lives, our family, our relationships, our businesses. But without prayer, we are taking a high probability that we are not aligning ourselves with God's purpose, plan, and will for our lives or his desires. This should be a chance that none of us are willing to take. A great example, Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And when he's praying in the garden before the crucifixion, Jesus says this. Let's take a look in Luke chapter 22, verses 42. It says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. It's kind of the human side there coming out. Okay. But then it changes up and he says this. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. And in other words, he's basically saying, Father, in my flesh, I really don't want to go through this. But in my heart, I know that you know best and I will do whatever you say. There's a great Chinese uh, church leader and teacher. His name was Watchman Nee. and, And he says this. Great quote here. The power of God is like a mighty locomotive coming from heaven to earth. But it cannot reach earth without the rails of prayer. Prayer is the hand that has moved history. It's the difference between you letting something happen and making something happen. Because when we pray, we're aligning ourselves to God's will for our lives. Many of you heard of Charles Finney, I'm sure. If not, you hear him now. He was a modern day revivalist and his ministry so impacted the U.S. that no, no other ministers have had such an impact. Social reforms that he preached on have become laws in our nation. For example, things like equal rights for women, anti-slavery legislation, all began through the pulpit of Charles Finney. He is seen as the chief leader of America's second great awakening. Much spiritual renewal had taken place in our country. In the year of 1820, he went to Rochester, New York, and 100,000 people gave their hearts to Jesus Christ. It so transformed that city that it reads that liquor stores closed. They went bankrupt. The Sabbath was honored. Justice systems like the police and the court systems shut down because of the lack of crime. Charles Finney is the face, but he had a partner that is rarely mentioned. His name was Daniel Nash. He was much older than Finney. And Daniel Nash quit his job to cover this ministry in prayer. It it read that he went ahead of Charles Finney to whatever the next city was before Finney would get there. And sometimes he would go weeks prior and he would rent a room and he would pray over that city. Well, one time a lady had came to one of Charles Finney's meetings and asked, do you know a Mr. Nash? And he said, yes. She said, well, I'm concerned for him. I rented him a room some weeks ago. He entered it with several other men and I haven't seen them leave and I've not seen them eaten. I went to their door 
and saw them face down on the ground groaning, and I fear they are sick. Charles Finney looked at her and said, no, they must not be disturbed, but they have been gripped by the spirit of prayer. When opposition would arise against one of Finney's meetings, he would tell Daniel Nash. On one occurrence, three men were in opposition. And Daniel Nash looked at those three men and said very boldly and courageously, within one week, you will either bow your knee and become a follower of Jesus or he will take your souls to hell. Finney wrote that he felt that was very extreme, which I kind of I fall into that line too there. <laughs> Until less than one week later, all three of those men gave their hearts to Christ and they made sure that the meetings became a success. Listen, when Daniel Nash died, which was before Finney, the whole shape of those crusades never again reached the level that they once were. Do you want to experience an awakening in your family, your marriage, your church, this nation? Then we must commit ourselves to prayer. Will you stand with me this morning? To be a part of a move of God, we must recognize that we need to commit to prayer. And the challenge before us is this. Are we desperate enough to go after this? Because prayer moves heaven and earth. Maybe you're here today and you don't know who this Jesus Christ is. That is the most important thing. Or you're watching us online or listening to us on the radio. Jesus Christ, who gave himself up for you and I, who has made it very possible for prayer to be so effective for our lives, longs to be in relationship with each and every one of us. The book of Revelation says he stands there knocking at the heart, the door of your heart. The book of John says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. My prayer today is that if you feel compelled and you want to give your life over to him today, this is the moment. This is the opportunity. This time can change your eternity forever. So with every head bowed, every eye closed this morning, if that is you, I would love for you to pray this prayer with us and let's all pray this together as a church. Lord Jesus, I come before you today and I recognize that I am a sinner, but you gave your life for me. And today I ask you to be my Lord, to be my master and to be my savior. I commit my life to you. Lead me in your purpose, plan, and will. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning? Amen. So we've been laid a great foundation this morning with prayer. A great understanding of how important it is for us to commit our lives to prayer. It's inviting God 
allowing his angels to interact within our lives. It's allowing for him to move heaven and earth, so to speak. It's allowing God's will to take place, changing our desires to align to his desires. And as Christ followers, I know how things can get sometimes and it, it can be a struggle to find the time or, or even the desire to wanna spend time with God in prayer, but it's essential. It's a must for us. For a healthy relationship with Jesus, we need to pray to Jesus. So let's pray. Lord, we love you so much. Make us a people of prayer. God, I, I ask that you would stir our hearts and open our eyes to your vastness, to your greatness, to how marvelous and majestic you are. Lord, you possess all power and you possess all authority. And my, my desire today for my life, God, as well as for everyone else's, make us a people of prayer, of prayer, coming before you, seeing and knowing, Lord, that is an essential for us to live a healthy spiritual life in relationship with you. May we never look at prayer again as we have. May we look at it, Lord, with a desperation and knowing, God, that we need to be in contact, in communication with you, because you are our great God. You are amazing. You are loving. You are caring. Your love is unconditional. You show us, Lord, discipline, but you also give us encouragement. So God, may we continue to allow you to lead us in every way that we live. And God, with that, we glorify your name and we praise you, Father. And as the psalmist said, the words of our mouths and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says, amen, amen. We love you guys. Have a blessed week.